Please join us every week for a new episode of Understanding the Human Condition with Dr. James Flowers. Dr. Flowers and his most admired mentors, respected colleagues, and VIP guests will share valuable insight into underlying health causes, conditions, and issues. These in-depth yet approachable episodes are a great resource for both private individuals and industry professionals. Our esteemed host, Dr. James Flowers, is one of the most recognized and respected names in the field of chronic pain, mental health, and substance use disorders, both nationally and internationally. Dr. Flowers is the founder of J. Flowers Health Institute, located in Houston, Texas. For more information about J. Flowers Health Institute and its concierge services, go to jflowershealth.com or dial 713-783-6655. And be sure to mention this podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Understanding the Human Condition. I'm your host, Dr. James Flowers, and this is my beautiful, lovely co-host, oh, Robin French. Thank you. Hey, Dr. Cl- Flowers. Dr. what? Clower Flowers. <laughs> exactly. I said Dr. Flowers. <laughs> How long have we worked together? Uh, too long. <laughs> exactly. You're not sitting next to me today. I know. I gave you some space after last week. I was afraid to get that close. Is Melanie too close for you today? No, or she's no? great. Okay, good, good distance. <laughs> well, you know, I was trying to snuggle because we were looking at the screen last week, and yep. I was afraid that the way I thought we needed to tuck in and get in the yeah, Zoom. Yeah, but you, so were a little, you were almost in my lap. I was lap. in your space. <laughs> Was I one of your former clients? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, let's talk about our guests. Absolutely. Our VIP guests. I am so excited. We have great news today. Uh, we have Dr. Melanie Somerville, the director of our integrative wellness program at J. Flowers Health Institute, mm-hmm. and a long, long, long time personal friend yeah. and colleague. So yeah. welcome. Thank you. Thanks, um, Dr. Flowers. It's weird calling you Dr. Somerville, but welcome, it's Dr. It's weird calling you Dr. Flowers. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be here. I'm really excited. Yeah. Thank Good. you. Thank Thanks you so for being here. Yeah, I know, obviously... you're Excuse me. Obviously, you're busy all day, every day with patients, and thanks for taking this little space out. I think this is going to be a great episode, everybody. Thrilled to be here. Yeah. You know, Melanie has a calming uh, superpower that can put almost anyone at ease, which is essential when talking about life-altering events that leave us wounded and in pain. And Dr. Somerville is a chronic pain expert. Um, Robin, tell us a little bit more about Dr. Somerville. I'd love to. Dr. Melanie Somerville is a clinician who specializes in treating individuals with chronic pain, substance use disorders who may be progressing through midlife transitions or experiencing other conditions that prevent the full and joyful experience of life. Her work is informed by gestalt and attachment theories, somatic experiencing, and mindfulness. She is a firm believer in the power of the individual to understand themselves and sees her role as the facilitator of awareness. Dr. Somerville believes change cannot occur without awareness, and with it, choices can be made. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So it seems like COVID has been putting a magnifying glass on mental health problems. Absolutely. People worldwide are, um, they have mental, psychological, and emotional pain that they may not have acknowledged in the past. And so all of a sudden they start feeling pain, like physical manifestations of pain. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us how this happens and and why? And how does trauma manifest in our daily lives? Sure, sure. So in many ways, we can look at trauma on a continuum. And sometimes you hear the the expression little t and big t trauma. So little t would be sort of smaller things that are really distressing. Big big t trauma would be what we would normally think, like war and violence. 
Um, but th the definition of trauma is the experience of an event that we're not mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually prepared for, and that is completely overwhelming to the point where we feel helpless, overpowered, in danger, fearful, or completely shut down. Thus, we're not able to follow through with the appropriate action that we'd have taken to avoid the trauma. We can't get away from it. Um, so obvious trauma is assault, sexual or physical, witnessing or being a victim of domestic or community violence, being at the mercy of a natural disaster, childhood neglect and ab abuse, whether that's physical or sexual abuse, um, but also things like chronic illness or being fired from your job or a difficult breakup, um, even the isolation that we've experienced through COVID-19. Um, those things too can be overwhelming and debilitating. Um, just imagine being like the parent or, or even the child of someone in the hospital during COVID and we couldn't visit people in mm -hmm. the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. Or being in the hospital and not having the care and comfort of your relatives there, that in itself can be traumatic too. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So that might be considered not to not to devalue anyone's pain, but, you know, that could be more sort of your little T trauma that's still traumatic and difficult to to understand and, and manage. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And we don't have some of our resources, you know, and talking about someone that has long term chronic pain, someone that's in the news right now uh, is Lady Gaga mm -hmm. right now. You know, Lady Gaga is speaking out about the lasting pain and trauma of being sexually assaulted yeah. as a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, she, this is in a new docu-series called The Me You Can't See. And in this, she said that she suffered from a total psychotic break years after being left pregnant by the alleged rapist. You know, Melanie, something you and I hear all the time is I've had MRIs and I've had CAT scans and mm -hmm. CT scans and there's no results from them. And mm -hmm. what Lady Gaga was saying in this docu-series is, is that she's had so many MRIs with no findings, but mm -hmm. yet she has mm -hmm. this absolute horrific physical pain. Mm -hmm. And many times I've seen her interviewed talking about uh, being on stage and being in physical pain and how she makes it through even her performances mm -hmm. with her physical pain mm -hmm. and fibromyalgia. Um, but the body remembers, mm -hmm. and she had a pretty significant trauma. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she's had this trauma and lived through this trauma for year after year after year, and she's never been vocal about this. Mm -hmm. She's never really talked about this, and now she's talking about it in this new docu-series, and I'm so proud of her. You know, I remember living in Austin, and she was performing in uh, Austin, Dallas, and Houston. Uh, doing a concert series in Houston, a concert series in Dallas, and a concert series in Austin. And she rented a house in Austin in the same neighborhood uh, that we lived I in. I never knew that. Yeah. Oh. And uh, she had a little convertible Porsche, and uh -huh. she would drive it around. But she would go to the airport every afternoon and get in a helicopter. And the helicopter would fly her to Houston, land at the Toyota Center, and she would perform, and then they'd helicopter back to Austin. Wow. And then she'd go out, get in her Porsche from the airport and drive out, and she'd go uh. out in town and party and, you know, do fun. She'd just walk in a bar in the in Austin, wow. you know, wow. on 6th Street cool. or on, on South Congress mm -hmm. and uh, would play with the crowd or whatever band was playing. And, and But she talked about the pain that she was in and one of the things mm -hmm. that was the physical pain that she was in and one of the things that was important for her was to have this home base in Austin. So mm. she had her, her a gym moved in from these, you know, these big 18-wheelers came into the neighborhood and mm. just completely decorated this house in the way that she wants it, put a fitness center in it, 
and she worked out every day and had people, you know, around surrounding her that love her and care for her and do the things necessary that she needs to have massage therapy and Tai Chi and yoga and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, and then after Houston concert series, she flew to Dallas every day and back to Austin. And then she did her final and, and three in Austin. And then she went off to another place. I don't remember where it was. But same thing. It was she stayed right between three cities and would helicopter to each uh, mm -hmm. city, and that helped her with her balance. And she said, right. "I can do oh. this and come home to what I feel like is the closest thing to my own bed." Oh. But um, Dr. Somerville, tell our audience how this unhealed trauma, really, that she's experiencing affects our physical health. Right. Because what a perfect example of someone that has physical pain other than Lady Gaga, this huge public figure right. that is in this amount of chronic pain that she's in right. and then reveals this unhealed trauma. Right, and and I'm just gonna say her story is similar to so many people that I've worked with in my work in chronic pain, working yeah. with people with chronic pain. And, um, and, and it's amazing that she's making the connection for so many people mm -hmm. that that trauma manifests in the body mm -hmm. because that's been some struggle. You, yeah. As you know, working with chronic pain, some people don't recognize that something that happened to me can manifest later as insomnia, mm -hmm. vague aches and pains, sensitivity to touch or, or sound, yeah. and, and that and, and they don't, it's been a hard sell, so yeah. to speak, sometime sure, to, to, to say, yeah, to the, yeah. To the client or the mm -hmm. patient that this physical pain, they want to have an MRI that says this is the reason for yeah. your pain instead of this physical pain is the result of the abuse that you suffered as a child. That's right. And, and so it, it, once a person can get to that, healing can kind of begin to happen. Yeah. And so for her to be an icon for many of those mm -hmm. people in chronic pain is really wonderful because yeah. I can think of three or four recent clients that had real difficulty understanding that some of the childhood and especially childhood I think is especially um, intractable that childhood trauma and yeah. manifests so strongly um, yeah. also sexual abuse can manifest so strongly in those physical symptoms that maybe she can you know be a bridge for some of those people yeah. that are, are waking up and watching that video and saying oh my gosh I have some of these same symptoms and yes mm -hmm. this happened to me as a child and make that link between the physical and the emotional yeah you know I read in Harvard mental health news later letter several years ago that more than 70% of females who have long-term chronic pain syndrome mm -hmm. uh, are victim of sexual abuse yes. at some point yes. in their and life. 70%. Yes, and that also ties to people who hurt themselves, too. Right. Yeah. Um, I was just uh, reading in uh, Bessel van der Kolk's mm -hmm. seminal book, um, The Body Keeps the Score. Mm -hmm. he, he says the same thing, that a great number of women who self-harm were themselves victims of some kind of sexual or, or childhood uh, abuse. Yeah. yeah. So, and you know, that's why it is so important to look at comprehensive diagnostic evaluations, Robin, mm -hmm. because you have someone who for years has lived an amazing, successful life, mm -hmm. but suffered from depression and anxiety and grief and trauma and chronic pain and not really understanding early on, not understanding mm -hmm. that connection 
between the mind and the body. Mm -hmm. And the only way we feel pain is the nervous system, mm -hmm. right? That's mm -hmm. how the pain mm -hmm. signal travels to the brain. Mm -hmm. And when our nervous system is activated by not mm -hmm. sleeping mm -hmm. and by mm -hmm. agitation and anger and frustration. Triggers to the trauma, sort of yeah. that constant alertness or orientation toward yeah. feeling in danger that keeps that cortisol going in Absolutely. our bodies, right? And yeah. that cortisol has been linked to greater health problems, yeah. blood pressure, diabetes, um, insomnia. So. Yeah. Yeah, the it cortisol really is. is very um, elevated when when there's yep. persistent trauma that hasn't been sort of integrated yeah, right, or you resolved. Bet. Absolutely, yeah. and through that diagnostic evaluation, all of those things are looked at and tweezed apart and uncovered mm -hmm. and discussed, mm -hmm. and it allows the person to move into a mm -hmm. treat treatment approach with a clear set of diagnoses, right? right. Only mm -hmm. if this had happened to her, this evaluation had happened to her or so many other people early on, it just solves a lot of problems and prevents roadblocks mm -hmm. down the road. Mm -hmm. um, well, that yeah. was a great segue to, I, I was going to mention that Lady Gaga also discussed her impulses to self-harm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. She says it's a very real thing to feel like there's a black cloud following you wherever mm -hmm. you go, telling you that you're worthless and should die. And I used to scream and throw myself against the wall. Mm -hmm. So I was going to ask you what's happening there. What role does trauma play yeah. in those impulses yeah. to self-harm? So, so, yeah, that trauma in the body can cause us to feel really anxious, unfocused, agitated. And to relieve that tension that's in the body, sometimes people resort to the cutting, pulling their hair, um, hitting themselves, um, uh, burning themselves. And, mm -hmm. and it's a way to relieve tension. And, it, and it's... and, and Again, I'm going to re reference Dr. Bessel van der Kolt. He says that like people are trying the best they can to to provide some kind of release and some kind of relief to the pain that they're in. It sounds really strange to those of us who haven't experienced it, mm -hmm. but even in some of the patients that I've worked with, um, especially with eating disorders, that that cutting somehow is a relief to the ang yeah. anxiety and can be a form of control, believe mm -hmm. it or not. Um, and no, it really requires yeah. some really sensitive clinical intervention um, when someone is doing that because it's very easy for family or people close to, to sort of demonize that and say, oh, that's horrible, Don't, you know, to really react negatively when really the person needs someone that understands. Like, this mm -hmm. is, I understand your need to try mm -hmm. and cope with mm -hmm. the tension or the agitation or your stress that yep. you're feeling, and this is the best way you know how right now instead of shaming them even more for yeah. it, right? Don't. Talk about some of the therapy models that you prefer to use when working with a chronic pain patient. Right. Um, well, I mean, uh, like Robin said, I, I really use a lot of mindfulness and a lot of um, somatic experiencing. I'm, I'm trained in sensory motor psychotherapy, and it's really helping people get back into their bodies. Yeah. Because when the body has been violated, as it is in trauma, um, or when the psyche has been violated, it's very easy for, for us to get up in our heads and to like, try to think our way out of this problem. Mm -hmm. And really, it's not possible to think your way out you have to be in the body and I think I talked about this this morning in our morning reflection that mm -hmm. when we're focusing on our physical sensation we're in the present moment and so our minds are not fixated about what happened in the past and we're not worried about what's going to happen in the future yeah. but we're right here right now and we're listening to the birds singing outside or we're listening to our tummy rumble as it digests our food or we're um, paying attention to the breath as it enters our our nose right mm -hmm. so that provides a i mean and 
I'm, I'm making it sound like it's such an easy thing. And you start very, very slowly w with people and very gently and very carefully so that people feel like they're grounded, so they can feel safe, they don't feel triggered. Mm -hmm. You know, I would I never ask a patient coming in to say, close your eyes, let's do a, a mindfulness, right. you know, breathing session. Because <laughs> right the closing bat. their eyes might feel really dangerous mm -hmm. and really scary, right? So, um, so I think working with gently re um, reinvestigating the body and and becoming friends with the body even becoming friends with those things that we want to get rid of like anxiety right yeah. and and I, I think some of our eastern philosophies um, I know Teknot Han will say something like invite the, your anxiety to come in and sit down yeah. just sit down and let me investigate this yeah. anxiety and be curious about it instead of polarizing our experiences this is a really good experience or this is a really bad experience this is an experience I'm having. It doesn't have to be good or bad. This is just mm -hmm. where I am right now. So if we can get people to tolerate that, mm -hmm. then they can tolerate their emotions a little bit better. They can tolerate some of the bodily sensations through grounding, through breathing. Then we can begin to kind of work and process some of the trauma. So it's a very gradual process. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And in fact, you just implemented uh, in our morning grand rounds, I'll call mm -hmm. it our <laughs> clinical meeting every morning, uh, prior to starting the day, you started a morning meditation. Mm -hmm. Tell the audience that's listening about your morning reading and your morning meditation guidance. Yeah, so our morning meditation is a way for our staff to just be, come together and, and be present, to um, acknowledge our presentness and our being instead of our doing like we are very good at doing and that's what our day is about we have to do things during our day mm -hmm. and starting our day with being kind of sets a, a slate for intentionality for purpose and for just um i i think it's self-care it's yeah. it's a ma it's a it's a moment of being in our bodies breathing settling in grounding ourselves and then i usually read some kind of sometimes I'll do a little guided meditation but I'll read from Thich Nhat Hanh is my favorite I love Thich Nhat Hanh um, and sometimes I'll read Pema Chodron Eckhart Tolle is a, is a big proponent of the power of now if anybody's familiar with that so just a little inspirational reading about um, caring for ourselves um, that uh, kindness to others starts when we're kind to ourselves so mm -hmm. so all of our work with others and that's so important as a clinician to take care of my my self-care my mental health my physical health so that i'm available that i'm emotionally mm -hmm. available to the difficult clients that we yeah. encounter at j flower Absolutely. south so yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. i offer that to the entire staff because all the work we do is is a lot of doing and it can mm -hmm. be really stressful and taxing because we're helping heal some really difficult um conditions so yeah. You know, research shows that we that meditation is so important for us, right? Mm -hmm. But why is it that it's so difficult for us to work this into our daily lives? Because we have an expectation. <laughs> yeah. We expect it to be a certain way instead of reorganizing our thoughts. Again, it's sort of about polarity in our experience. We either want the experience to be good or bad instead of sitting for 10 minutes and it's what it is. Sometimes when you sit in meditation, mm -hmm. your mind goes crazy, right? Yep. And you keep thinking about, what, what, what I gotta do this certain paper, I gotta do this. And sometimes you're able to watch your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And when you can do that with equanimity, right? When you can do it with, okay, thoughts, come mm -hmm. on in, you're here, you're running my mind this morning, you're interrupting my being, <laughs> and that's okay. And then some mornings you're able to sort of be with what is you're able to focus on your breath a little bit more and your presence 
and it's what it is. And you don't say, oh, that was an awesome meditation. You're just with it. You're mm-hmm. just whether it, it, the meditation is the meditation. It's not a good meditation right. or a bad meditation. Mm-hmm. It's just the meditation. <coughs> and the mm-hmm. more that we can bring some of those equanimity experiences into our lives, the less reactive we are. Yeah. Absolutely. And that is helps with mindfulness in the workplace. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, talk to us a little bit more about acceptance and commitment therapy and what you do with that. Okay. So acceptance and commitment therapy is um, it's a behavioral, <coughs> well-researched um, behavioral therapy that focuses on um, helping people identify their values, how they want to show up in life, mm-hmm. and doing that despite some difficulties, chronic pain being mm-hmm. one of the reasons, one of the main ways that I use ACT. So um, there's sort of like six um, concepts of ACT. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's um, present moment awareness, mm-hmm. so bringing some mindfulness, um, acceptance. A lot of the difficulties that we experience in our lives is because we can't accept what is we can't accept reality i'm Mm. getting married today and it's raining i Mm. can either accept that it's raining and be happy and get married anyway or i can throw a fit and ruin my wedding day because (laughs) it's something i can't change right Mm -hmm. so we have present moment awareness we have acceptance we have um, something called self as context which kind of has to do with like the scripts that we write about ourselves and who we are in the different contexts of our lives um cognitive fusion how we fused to certain thoughts that we have you know if if dr flowers passes me in the hallway and doesn't say hello Mm -hmm. i could get all offended and think he doesn't like me or he's mad at me instead of well maybe he's busy right Mm -hmm. so cognitive fusion allows us you know a little bit of like questioning our thoughts and the way we fuse to our thoughts um and then we have uh let's see cognitive fusion i'm I'm not sure how many i've done so far i think then we have um our values identifying values is how we want to show up in the world. It's not a goal of, uh, I want to run a marathon. It's a goal of, I want to be physically fit and challenge myself physically. And so what are the actions? Action is the last part of that acceptance and commitment therapy. What are the actions that I do in the service of my goals? Mm -hmm. So I have chronic back pain, but I really want to go on a walk with my friend. Mm -hmm. So I plan that walk with my friend and I go on the walk maybe I can only walk 10 minutes instead of 20 minutes Mm -hmm. but my value is the friendship that Mm -hmm. comes from being with my friend on the walk and so I value that and I take that walk even though I have low back pain does that make sense absolutely yeah Yeah. Yeah. so it's a very powerful tool to use with people I've used it in a lot of group settings Mm -hmm. absolutely a lot of what you're doing now is uh, one-on-one um, not doing a whole lot of group right now, but no. doing a lot of one-on-one mm-hmm. tailored to each individual chronic pain mm-hmm. uh, person that uh, that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Walk us through a little bit about uh, your approach uh, to working from beginning to end with someone and give us maybe a case study of someone you've worked with with chronic okay, pain. You're really putting me on this. I know, I am. <laughs> um, actually, can I, can I talk a little bit about a current um, gentleman? And it's not chronic pain it's actually depression it's chronic Mm long-term depression Mm -hmm. and um he's presenting as just a a helpless man who wants us to fix him and so um who's had trauma right has had some trauma yes Mm -hmm. yes um and so in some of my work you know different as a clinician you know 
and, and you begin to know as you start to work with someone and build that therapeutic alliance, sort of how much you can kind of push and how mm-hmm. much you can say and how something will, will go off. I always try to be tentative, like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if this sounds like you. Um, and, and then wait for them to say, oh, no, that doesn't fit or, oh, yeah, that, that does fit. Mm-hmm. And so um, this man um, lost his wife and has been pretty much functioning as mom and dad for his three kids for about 16 years and he's put all of his energy into his family and very little energy on himself and his own self-care and and who he is in the world and what he wants so it's all about his kids and i think that's causing him depression because mm-hmm. it's it there's he doesn't have balance in his life it's all mm-hmm. about his kids and what they want and what they want to do right. and so um so I've introduced the idea a little bit and, and in groups it is different I'll explain ACT the way I just sure. explained it to you yep. in a group I probably wouldn't go into that kind of detail individually yep. but I would say something like um, you know you there are some things that you might want to do in your life and, and, and couch those as sort of values mm-hmm. like how you want to be in your life and ask him to kind of talk about what are those things mm-hmm. and that you have depression also so so the idea is to be willing to do those things despite having depression. So you want to act in the service of those values. And he's frightened. You know, he's frightened to begin dating. He's frightened to to find out who he is despite... I mean, without his kids, right? Mm-hmm. Because his kids are growing; they're they're going to be gone soon, and out of the house. And what is his, what is his role going to be now? Mm-hmm. What is his yeah. meaning and purpose? Sure. Yep. And that's also a huge part of our human existence: is mm-hmm. what do we live for? Mm-hmm. What is worth living for? What is yeah. our meaning and purpose? And if you yeah. don't have meaning and purpose in life, you're probably not going to have a very fulfilling mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. right? So I and I don't know if that answers mm-hmm. your question, yeah. but like having him identify things he's willing to do despite having depression depression right yep so is he able to identify any of those at this point he's he's working on it he's working on it yeah Yeah. there's also some relational codependency Mm -hmm. in that family system and so that is another that's a whole other podcast that we could talk about codependency (laughs) but you know helping people recognize um that we're all responsible for our own stuff, right? When yeah. our kids are grown up, they're responsible for their yeah. stuff, and we're responsible for ours. Yeah. And so, you know, allowing them to have their experience while we have our experience is actually healthy human functioning. Yeah. But if you haven't been functioning that way, it can be feel, feel very scary to give up what you perceive as like your control, mm-hmm. even though it's not maybe not direct control. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you so much. Before we go, yeah. we always like to ask a couple of fun questions. Okay. So uh, to lighten up the mood just a little bit. So so what do you like to do on your time off? You're going to laugh. Uh-huh. I'm a knitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for grandchildren, so I've decided to knit Aww. a layette anyway, even Aww. though neither of my children are married. <laughs> so adorable. I'm knitting a baby blanket. <laughs> How fun, and you're going to save it. In the, in the, yeah, yes. That is so cool. Yeah, I like to be outside. I yeah. do some a little bit of running, even yeah. though I'm not as yeah. prolific as I used to yeah. be. Boy, we both used to be prolific yes. runners. We went on many long runs yes. together. Oh. Yes. That's right. How yeah. long did you say you guys have known each other? 20 some odd years. Oh, yeah. About 25 yeah. years. Yeah. yeah, about 25 years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your bucket list? What do you have left on your bucket list? Um, bucket list. Live in France. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Not anytime I, soon. Not anytime <laughs> soon. Telehealth, here we go. I'd love to jump out of an airplane. I'm scared to death of it. But Would you really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, I went on a 
40th birthday party many years ago mm -hmm. with someone else that was turning 40 mm -hmm. in California. And we, there was about eight of us and we flew to California to go uh, jump out of an airplane. And we were going to do it tandem, and we got there, and they talked us into doing it, and that whatever it's called, free individual, free, individual free whatever, jump. free mm -hmm. jump. And it, we were like, yes. And we went through this seven-hour class all day on a Saturday on this 40th mm -hmm. birthday to learn how to jump out of this airplane by ourselves. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to conquer my fear. I can do it. Oh. And all day long, it's like, you can die. You will die if you don't. You're going to die I if would, you don't. If you don't that, do this, you'll die. Mm -hmm. All that. day long for seven hours. <laughs> Teaching you how to do That's all the. That's what you heard, Doctor. That's what I, I heard went to the bathroom. all day. I would have went to the bathroom and not you, come back. All seven of us. Okay, plane started. We walk outside. Everybody's excited. <laughs> we all get to the airplane door, and the door opens for us to get on. And every one of us looked at each other and said, uh -uh. "No way! <laughs> no way! We did not get in and get Oh no. my gosh! Can you believe it? Yeah. <laughs> I thought for sure you jumped out of a plane. No, I have not. Not I yet. We could so do that together. I have a favor before we before we yeah. uh, leave this. Um, can you do a mindfulness um, session with us, just a brief one, so sure. that everybody can kind sure. of experience? Yeah, sure, that I'll give you a little the taste of, can get a of taste. Uh, kind of what we do in yeah. the office. So we'll just start by um, settling into wherever you are and wherever you're maybe listening to this and kind of feel, feel where you are. If you're standing, feel your feet on the ground. If you're sitting, feel your butt in the chair. And you can close your eyes, but you don't have to close your eyes. Um, you can relax your gaze. If you're um, driving, drive. Yeah, yes. yeah. Don't, don't <laughs> close do. your eyes if you're driving <laughs> or and over. listening to this. But you, but you can do this whatever <laughs> yeah. you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. So the idea is to sort of drop into being and let go of doing, just, just for a minute, right? Yeah. And then we sort of start by noticing the breath. So as you breathe, you don't need to change your breathing or do anything different, but as you breathe in, most of us breathe in through our nose. Breathe in through your nose and notice the temperature of the air at the tip of your nose because it's a little bit cooler than our body temperature. So if you really pay attention You'll notice the air as it enters your nose, travels up your nose, through your nasal passages, down your esophagus, into your chest, and down into your diaphragm if you're doing diaphragmatic breathing, but you may not get that far. Just notice the breath as it comes in and goes out. And you may notice your mind already wandering or thinking, and that's okay. Minds wander, that's what they do. Just come back to your breath, wherever in that cycle you are, whether it's breathing in, the air traveling down your esophagus, just noticing. And then maybe allowing yourself to notice tension in your body and relaxing your jaw, your shoulders away from your ears, your belly, your glutes, just taking a minute to breathe in and breathe out. And when you're ready, come back to your present moment, go back to doing, and remember this little mini mindful moment from Melanie. There you go. From <laughs> we're Dr. talking about Dr. Mindful Mondays, perhaps with Melanie Somerville. There you yeah. go. Yeah. That's our yeah. next Jordan show. Jordan will get that Absolutely. going for us. Yeah. 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 You know, you are 
amazing. It's it's always amazing working with you, and thank you for all that you do with the clients and patients with whom you work every single day. You have done just countless uh, amazing jobs with so many chronic pain patients, and thank I know you. it's one of your passions. So thank yes. you for what you do thank and you. your healing. Thank and you and for your mindfulness. You. It's a yeah. pleasure. I love it. Yeah. Robin, how does someone find Jay Flowers Health Institute? Oh, that's easy. And Dr. Melanie Somerville. Jayflowershealth.com. There you go. All right. Thank yeah. you again for joining us. Thank you. Our it's clients love you, yeah. and so do the staff. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Thank Melanie. Yep. All right. See, oh, wait. One more thing, you guys, oh. before we sign off. I'd like to remind everyone watching or listening to us that there are numerous platforms to find our podcast. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Please share this episode on social media or with someone you think it would help. And I just want to remind everybody before we go that a clear diagnosis is the key to the most effective treatment possible. Thanks, everybody.